This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. All right, uh, you guys got your hand out there. uh, Tonight we're going to talk about the loss of civility. Okay, what that means is that basically, have you noticed that um, we're losing a little bit of our ability to be kind to one another in our country right now? And so we're going to talk about what that means as part of the divided states of America. With growing political animosity, uh, authorities and citizens alike have discarded common civility, right? Uh, I know we talked a few weeks ago about, I think everybody in here, there's nobody who is looking at... Uh, what newscasters or reporters are saying right now is saying, hey, that's the standard we want to teach our kids. Most of us are not looking at presidential debates and saying that's the way that we want our kids talking with one another. Uh, the conversations that you have, I don't know if you've had a civil conversation about politics uh, in recent years, but it's very hard to come by. Is it not to actually have a conversation where someone can believe differently than you and you can actually have a legitimate conversation. It's kind of lost in the middle of it. Uh, as tempers flare, uh, insults fly, and resistance increases, Christians must stand out as people who can disagree respectively. Um, I imagine that for all of us here, there are certain hot uh, button issues or certain triggers that maybe affect you more than others. Someone says something, someone supports something that you just go, <gasps> and you feel like you've got to fix them, right? <laughs> you need to fix them in the next few minutes. And so tempers can flare, insults can fly, and I think a resistance, not only to that ideology or thought, but a lot of times resistance can happen just in the way that we treat one another. Um, and so civility is the formal politeness and courtesy in behavior or speech. If we want to look at the actual definition of what this is supposed to be, that's what civility is. It's the formal politeness and courtesy in behavior or speech. Uh, that term necessarily isn't necessarily like a biblical term, but I believe that in this culture it's one we probably need to land on. That can you be showing the love of Christ in such a way that even with people who disagree th- with you, vote different than you, think differently than you, can you show a formal politeness and a formal courtesy in behavior or speech? Now to go through, let's, let's sort of figure out why that happens. I believe there's a growing frustration uh, I know uh, people in here, we've all experienced different times of hostility in our country. This one's unique. But as conservative citizens see the rapid pace at which the country is changing, fear turns into rage. I believe that on the conservative side of our country right now, that um, <coughs> the shock is the rapid pace at which the country is changing, right? So for those of you who, uh, no matter how old we are in this room, okay, from Gloria, I think you're probably the youngest, okay, in the room, probably, okay, maybe, okay, um, and I will not call out who's the oldest in this room, okay, I'm not, I wasn't looking at you, Ms. June, okay, no, um, but whoever it is, whoever it is, as we think through it, right, we've all lived through a lot of change in our life, right, um, the change is so rapid right now. I mean, when people talk about um, things that if you're not within the times right now, something that was a Supreme Court decision even two, three, four years ago seems like it should be around for 200 years in our national conscience. It's just, it's moving that quick. Um, What we experienced in the 70s of the sexual revolution, that seems like nothing (laughs) compared to the progression that's happening right now. It just happens so rapidly. the, uh, if you remember, we, we've told this before, but the LGT, it, it keeps adding letters to it, right? It just keeps getting bigger and further about all the different kind of uh, differences as far as sexuality goes. And so I think what happens is, is that people who do believe conservative values in this country, the rapid pace at which the country is changing, the fear of what's taking place turns into a rage sometimes, where you're, you're angered at what's taking place, you're angered at kind of the, the push, 
and you also feel that you're almost in a defensive posture at all times because if you don't believe like everybody else, you're just like some backwoods believer and you got to get up to speed with it. On the other side, not the conservative side of our country, but if we look at this, that as liberal citizens seek to defend their beliefs to a level of mass acceptance, any such resistance is met with fury. So people who have a liberal way of thinking, they're wanting to push against certain ideals right now. They're wanting to defend beliefs and they're wanting to get it to a level of mass acceptance. Any such resistance is met with fury. Uh, I was, when I was working at Lander and uh, teaching world religions, I had a student who was not in my class, wanted to come to me and present a paper to me defending something that was unbiblical and they wanted to defend it from the Bible. And so basically they used some obscure passages and twisted and were having to do gymnastics through Bible text to say, the Bible supports this way of life, right? No, because there's a list of verses that condemn that and say that's not right. And just because someone is doing this and that and you're having to do gymnastics through it does not say that the Bible can uh, actually says that that's okay at all. And what was this person wanting to do? I said, why are you here? They said, well, I just want to defend my position to you. I said, why? Well, because I just wanted you to hear it. I said, there's something inside you that wants to hear a preacher put a stamp of approval on your behavior right now. And if you're looking for that, you've come to the wrong place. Not because I don't love you, but because what you're talking about is against what the Bible teaches. So I, I'm willing to keep the conversation open. I'm willing to talk as long as you want to talk, as many times as you want to. But what were they doing? They were wanting to push their beliefs, defend it to mass acceptance. They wanted to get a preacher to stamp of approval. They could sleep better at night. And any such resistance is met with fury. This one individual I was talking to that day, um, it's okay to, I mean, I know all of us will have different levels of way we show kind of stress or anxiety. This person had so much sweat rings around his shirt that literally, as we were talking, he says, I just got to get up and get a smoke. And I said, okay. And he goes up the parking lot and he comes back and he's just sweating and just pacing. And I just said, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just, just want to get through this. And he's so desperate just to hear me say, that's okay. Because he knows. He knows what the Bible teaches, but he's trying to find a way around it. And so what happens is, is that both sides are hearing the other side, and we're getting more volatile and pushing, and everybody's emotions are running at a very high level. Uh, more people speak about what they reject more than what they accept. And I, 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 that's just something that I notice. You may or may not believe that. But I believe if you talk through most of the things that the interviewers are wanting uh, our candidates to say it's about what they reject. They're trying to get you to say something bad against the other side rather than what you're for. Does that make sense? Speaking about what you're against, what you're after, what, you, what you're not supporting, rather than what they accept. So uh, this question, what type of candidate supporter are you? Uh, as we've talked about uh, at, at the unique kind of nature of where things are, uh, I've listed out five possible categories. As I talk to people, this is what I hear, that most people fall in one of these five categories. Number one is enthusiastic supporter of a person, okay? There are many people who are very enthusiastic about support of a person, right? There are people with signs. There are people with hats. There are people, I don't know, there's probably some tattoos out there. They're enthusiastic supporter of the individual, but there are also some people right now that are voting very passionately who are not enthusiastic supporter of an individual. And that's what's unique about, I believe, the last few elections, but especially this one. I believe some have a reluctant allegiance to a party. Okay, They're not enthusiastic about the person, but they are supportive of a party. Does that make sense? There are a lot of Republicans who are not big fans of Trump. There are a lot of Democrats right now who are not big fans of Biden. They support the party, 
they just, oh, it's hard to stomach the person. I hear a lot of people talking like that, and maybe even some of you. There's a reluctant allegiance. Like I, I believe in what this party stands for, even though that person uh, I may not be completely sold out on. Uh, another type of supporter, a singular commitment to an issue. Some people vote, think, live, support on one single issue. And you go, which one? I don't know. It depends, right? There are some people who vote and will always vote on the issue of abortion. That's the single vote, vote issue for them. There's some who are going to vote that it's all about which candidate supports racial reconciliation more than the other. Some it'll be about economy, right? Some will be about health care. Some will be about marriage. Some will be about Supreme Court. It's a singular commitment to an, an issue that they are very committed to, and so therefore they will go along with the candidate that they think will support that issue. Fourth category is, I think, very unique this time. It's a passionate disgust of an opponent, okay? Have you run into anyone that is not supportive of their candidate, they just really hate the other one, okay? Um, I'm hearing this a lot, right? I heard this four years ago a lot, or some people said, uh, you know, I'm not for this person, but I can't stand so-and-so. They're more passionate about who they hate rather than who they love, okay? There are a lot of people right now, um, I have talked to um, people who are typically, typically vote Democrat, who do not, who are kind of frustrated that Biden was at the top of their ticket. I've, I don't find a lot of people that are very passionate about Joe Biden. I do find people who are very passionate against Trump, okay? There are some people on the same level that are, uh, Trump kind of makes, uh, I don't know all the stuff he's saying. I wish he'd put down his phone and start stop tweeting and whatnot. But they are so against Biden or for what Biden stands for. It's a passionate disgust of an opponent. I think there's a lot of people who are voting against someone rather than for someone right now, okay? Which is unique. Um, and then five, there's a lot of candidate supporters out there that would say ethically unsure about a direction. There's a lot of people who are struggling right now. And um, they say, you know what? I just don't feel like I have a great option of which one that I'm passionate for. Now, we're not going to do a, a poll right here and right now, okay? But you probably could find yourself in one of those positions a little bit more than the others. Uh, which one would you fall into? And, and so what happens is, is that depending upon it, I do see um, so much of a, let's even, let's even take it down to the local level, um, how many ads between Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison do you see about what they support rather than attack ads about what the other one is about? You see what I'm saying? Uh, the, the, the ads on, uh, that you're getting in your mailbox, the stuff you're seeing on TV, the phone calls you're getting unsolicited, they are talking about how horrible the other person is rather than how great they are. Right? That, that's, that's, so that's what's happening is that some people are not passionate about a person or a party. They just really can't stand the other. And so... Are there conservative Christians right now or conservative believers or people who speak more in the conservative language or the Republican side of this country that aren't necessarily all in 100% of the Republican Party or they're not 100% vocally supportive of Donald Trump, but they are scared to death of where the Democrats and liberals are going in the country? Yeah. There's a lot of people going, I, I, I know there's corruption among the Republicans. Donald Trump gives me a headache but I'm scared to death about where this is going. And so they feel like I, I've got to go this direction. On the other side, folks, there are people, the Democrats that say, ah, 
I'm not really gung-ho about the Democratic Party right now. They're really not getting a lot done. Joe Biden, I'm not even sure what he's saying a lot of the times, and I don't know if it's a passion, person I'm passionate about, but yet I'm scared to death about what another four years of Trump's leadership will do to the fabric of society. There are people who think that way, right? And I'm, once again, I'm not asking you where you are, but there are so many people, I believe right now, that people are currently more passionate about what they hate than what they love. As I see it, voters go. Um, I see people more passionate about what they hate rather than what they love. Um, if we think through, um, I, I, don't, I know that there, everybody's like fear-mongering right now and talking about how we won't know in a couple weeks when we go to sleep on Tuesday night who the next president's going to be. Everybody's going to say, oh, it might be days, it might be weeks, it might be months. I'm hoping that I can go to sleep that night knowing, you know. Four years ago, if any of you stayed up for the election results, do you remember how the newscasters, their heads were turning? The arrow shocked. Like, they were going, no way, this isn't happening. You would go to the different, you know, campaign headquarters, and Trump supporters are going absolutely crazy. And then you went to the Clinton supporters, and there are people that are weeping. Like, just shock. I mean, their jaws are like, they never saw this coming. And there were faces, and there were interviews. I can even remember that night. And it wasn't about, I want Hillary to be the president. It's like, I cannot think of a country where Donald Trump is my president. And people protesting, even the inauguration, it's about what they can't stand rather than what they're for. And if we're not careful, church, how oftentimes are churches known for what they are against rather than what they're for? We're against this type of immorality rather than what we're for. Right? All the things that we are positive and we are for. And um, I believe that this has gotten to a growing level of frustration because the constant access to media has increased our level of stress and anger. Um, can you get updated news at all times of the day? All right. When I was growing up and there was uh, the nightly news, it was at what time, everybody? Six o'clock. And you, you kind of had a few options, right? You had Tom Brokaw, you had Dan Rather, maybe, somebody else, I think, but go further. I'm sorry, that's when this is my era, okay? okay. But um, Walter Cronkite, right? Okay, that's kind of, I'm thinking back mid-80s, right? Okay, I'm going, Tom Brokaw on the news at 6 o'clock, he came on, it was his face, and you know what there wasn't? All this stuff scrolling at the bottom and something coming over here on the side, and in two minutes this is going to happen, and just all this picture-in-picture stuff. I mean, I literally feel like I need medication when I watch the cable news right now. It's so much information. Have y'all noticed that? If you look at a picture of 30 years ago, what your newscast looked like compared to what it is now, constant, scrolling, moving. You're listening to this person, but you're reading this and watching that, and it's all happening at the same time. Normally, there's six or seven people yelling at each other within the screens, and everybody's stress level is going way down when that happens, right? No, not at all. So constant access to media, uh, you can go. It's not just at 6 o'clock. It's anytime you turn on CNN, anytime you turn on Fox News, anytime you want to go to a website, always constant updates, you got it. And with that constant updates, we have realized this, that when everyone possesses a social media megaphone, we are exposed to everyone's opinions and feel the need to express our own, right? So back in the day, you had to listen to Tom Brokaw or you had to wait to the morning where somebody threw a newspaper up your driveway to figure out what the news of the day was, right? Do you have to wait till the morning uh, newspaper to get your information? No. Your phone's alerting you, right? Something significant's happened all the time, constant. And then if you're on social media, if you're on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or anything, you have the opportunity to share your favorite post, your favorite thought, your favorite video. 
unless certain companies say, that article can't go. No, 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 we're going to push that one down. And all of a sudden, some of the things that we talk about, freedom of speech and freedom of press, seem like, huh, that's interesting. And so there's this control issue about what can go forward. So people find other ways to be able to speak out even louder. Now, the common temptation in the midst of all this hostility, all this growing frustration, is I believe all citizens defend their responses and reactions based upon what the other side has done. So wherever you fall on this spectrum, oftentimes we defend our response, we defend our reaction, how fiery we get about something. We based upon, well, they did this. So-and-so said that. That candidate did this. And we have responded about, um, well, folks, let's just be honest. So what was the best way out? If you got in trouble from your parents when you were younger and you hit Johnny and your mama said, why did you hit Johnny? You were hoping that you could say this. He started it. Johnny hit me first, right? That's what you're hoping, right? You could say, hey, look, yes, I did hit, but I was not the initiator here. I was the response of it. And parents, do you, while you have to address that first hit, do you allow that second one to go on without challenging it? No. And so my, my, my thought here is if we do not allow our children to get away with such justification, we should not attempt to blame shift in that matter either. If you won't let your kids get away with, well, they did this first, then we can't allow ourselves to get caught up in that process either. So if we continue to add to the hate, add to the vitriol, add to all the frustration going on and say, well, they did this, so-and-so did that, that candidate said this, this president did that, we're not helping anything rather than just talking about specifically the issues. So the common temptation is to get caught in that trap. And most people, I believe, will fall into one of these categories that let's talk about when it comes to the temptation and the frustration. Here we go. Number one is avoidance. Unhealthy and unhelpful environments cause some to seek isolation from political conflict altogether. Some people would rather say, hey, I'll just see y'all in December, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself away from this. I've heard people say, I've had to turn off the TV. I've deactivated my social media account. I cannot put up with all of the anger and hatred, right? Um, some of you are probably thankful that Thanksgiving happens after Election Day rather than before it, Right? Because all the family's there, and hey, what's going on in the world? Like, I'd rather, let's just talk about the facts rather than your feelings right now. Some people just want to avoid it altogether. And honestly, uh, I understand why some people get there. I just, it's just so ugly, it's so hateful. There's no, it seems like, um, for so much of the anger and the arguments, right? Like, uh, I love after debates, and they have the people who are undecided. I put that in quotations, right? Undecided. Sometimes there are, but a lot of times you kind of feel like, these two people are going to get in an argument, and rare is anybody changed to any side. You post something on social media, and everybody who thinks differently goes, oh, thank you for finally letting me see the error of my ways, right? That never happens. All it does is, oh, yeah, well, I've got a post for you, right? Or, you know, this comment, it, it's, not, it's not a place. So some people just avoid it altogether. Let me get away. Some people, uh, instead of avoidance, do association. When worldviews become so polarized, some will retreat to only conversing with other like-minded people. So I won't avoid the issues. I just avoid people who don't think like me. And I'm going to associate only with people who think, act, believe, and vote like me. Um, that makes a lot of sense. 
there's probably a lot of wisdom, especially if you're trying to reduce your blood pressure right now. Uh, just be around people who think and, and believe like you. And I, I get that. Um, but ultimately, Christ follower, can we completely um, remove ourselves from all people who think and live differently than us? No. We have to be available in the world. Third option uh, is argument. People who are fearless regarding conflict jump into the fray by defending their opinions and debating others' beliefs. Some of you have the spiritual gift of arguing, don't you? Okay, like you just have the spiritual gift of confrontation. You're not scared to talk about it. You're not scared to defend anything. Uh, someone says that the sky is blue, and you could probably come up with another option. You know, you can, you can find a way to do that. And so some people jump into that argument. Some of you people, listen, some of you are just like, I, I, you don't want to get in conflict with anybody. You feel like you're almost allergic to it, so you just go, let me just back off. But some people go, nah, I'll get in the middle of it. In fact, it's almost like a hobby to you, okay? Like you enjoy it a little bit too much, right? Um, I know people uh, that actually like saying certain things to be like a trigger to set somebody's fuse off and just watch them go, right? Um, and, and that can happen sometimes. Some people actually like it. I think there is a fourth option here for us, and that's awareness. And when I speak of awareness, um, it means that you know what another person believes and you can actually have a conversation with them. And so here, here's the phrase that I want us to think about. If you could express someone's view in such a way that one who thinks differently than you could approve of your assessment, you could potentially have a healthy conversation. Now, let me explain what that means. Um, if someone were to ask me, what does... Uh, all right, all right, Baptist pastor, what do Methodists believe? What do Presbyterians believe? What do Pentecostals believe? Now, I could say that in such a way that demeans people who are not thinking exactly like me, right? All right, have you ever heard a Baptist demean a Pentecostal? You know, all oh, those charismatic people, they just do that, whatever, they demean it. Could you explain what a Pentecostal believes as a Baptist, to which a Pentecostal person will be right beside you and go, yep. You got it. I'm not saying you approve of it. Could you describe it for them? Take it another level. Um, I'm a world, I, I've taught world religions at a public university. Could I explain Islam in such a way that a Muslim could be in the class and say, yep, he got it. I'm not saying I believe it, but I could describe it in such a way that's not demeaning to that person. Does that make sense? So I, I've sat in a room where I've had a, a Jew, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a, a Muslim in there, and I'm describing all those religions. Can I say it in such a way they go, oh, wait a minute, when you were saying that, you were putting us down. No, I'm just saying this is what you believe. Is that right? Okay. Now take it to our current context. Could I speak about why someone believes what they believe on the other side of the issue from where I stand to where they could say, you at least understand where I'm coming from? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This one's hard for me to wrestle with because I want to go, no, I can't because they're crazy. <laughs> they're idiots. If they would just see things clearly, I'm not saying you agree with it. I'm saying could you describe what that person, where they come from, right? Where, where they're coming from. Even if you think they are blind to certain realities, even if you think they are misled to the nth degree, could you step back and say, so a person who believes whatever it is, they believe it because of these issues. Or they could say, yep, you got it. And then you have the opportunity, I think, to say, now let me explain why I don't agree with that. But I think that if a lot of times what happens is when we describe what other people believe, we take it a little bit further than what's probably actually there, right? 
All right, let me ask you if you've ever done this in a conversation with somebody. If you've ever been in an argument with somebody, and have you ever repeated what they said to you? Okay, I know n- nobody married in here has ever been in a disagreement with your spouse. But if you ever, let's just imagine those people out there that they've done that. Have you ever said, you remember when you said this and you just exaggerate, you know, the expressions and how they said it. And you get louder, your face is all contorted. Y'all have never done that? Okay, well, y'all can just pray for me. Okay, but what, what happens is, is that sometimes we exaggerate the other position to make ourselves look better. Is that fair? So... You could speak of how someone believes something very differently than you, and you're demeaning and exaggerating the process. And what you've done is you've just stopped the possibility of having an actual conversation with a person. So, I have sat down with people and have tried to have some civil, honest conversations. And have said stuff like this. Um, I believe that uh, if you take some of the hot topic issues that have been going on in the world today, and I've mentioned this before to this group, I think it's completely acceptable that as a Christian that you can say there are injustices that happen in this country to different people groups, and you're enraged by it. And at the same time, you can be enraged at what happens to good police officers that have done nothing wrong but have to pay the penalty for it. You can also be enraged by store owners who've had their entire businesses looted and robbed and and, and they don't deserve it. I can be enraged about all of those things at the same time. Now, our country wants to say, nope, you get to be enraged about this one or that one. You can't be enraged about both of them. No, I can be enraged about both of them. I hate when injustice happens to anybody, whether they have a badge, whether they don't, whether this skin color, whether that skin color, whether they're in the streets or whether they're in their store. I can be enraged at when injustice happens in any type of way. But I need to be able to sit down with someone and say, okay, So you were upset with the police system about this, and can I actually hear from you what you're saying and have a conversation with you about it, and then let me push back a little bit too. Can I listen to someone who says, I believe this injustice happens, or this has to do with public affairs, or whatever it is about sanctity of life. Can I listen to you, have a response to say, I'm going to listen, I'm going to hear you, to where I even understand it so well that I can repeat it back to you and say, this is what you're saying. And they go, yep, you got it. And now I can say, now I can have a healthy conversation, say, now will you listen to me? Will you listen to how I see it? And I think sometimes it's almost disarming, because you know what? Wherever you believe on anything, the other side expecting you to provoke it even more, right? You're going to provoke it, and all of a sudden, tempers are going to flare, and everybody gets out of control. Could you actually disarm the situation and talk to someone? Scripture gives us, I believe, biblical expectation, some places for us to do. And here's some verses, and we're going to move through these in these last few minutes here. But this is wisdom for us to walk through. Matthew 7, 12, in the words of Jesus, he says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Have you ever been frustrated by someone who will not listen to your side of the story? Ever listen to your argument? Ever, uh, you ever been frustrated with that person who always constantly interrupts you when you're trying to explain something? Well, don't do it to them. If you don't want them to interrupt you, don't interrupt them. If you want them to listen to what you're saying, would you be willing to listen to what they're saying? Well, yeah, but I'm right. No, no, no. <laughs> would you do whatever you wish that they would do to you? Would you actually do that to someone else? Um, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let me stop there for a second. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Who are the outsiders? Unbelievers, right? Okay, not different party. <laughs> Not different vote, 
unbelievers. Walk in wisdom when you're walking around outsiders. Uh, are there some people right now in your life that are non-Christians that you're walking around? Yep, there are mine. And i got to think how I walk in wisdom around them, making the best use of the time. So that means if there's a best use of the time, that also implies there's a worst use of the time, right? There's a, there's a poor way to handle that time, that opportunity. And what does Paul tell us to do there? Let your speech always be gracious. How many times be gracious, everybody? Always. Always be gracious. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay. Um, I don't want any testimonies here, but is there anybody here that even before you've tasted the food gets out the salt shaker and starts pouring? We have tried to talk about in our family that how you need to at least taste it to see if it needs it, right? Okay, before you just start, and they're like, well, guess what? So-and-so in our family does. I don't care what so-and-so in the family does, okay? I don't, that example, this is what I want you to do. I want you to taste the food and be honest. Does it really need something? Because sometimes you don't need anything. Sometimes you can go to Moe's and you can get your chips and you can see the salt, okay? If you can see it coated on there, you probably don't need any more, okay? Like, and yet, so what I'm saying is, Every batch of food requires a different level of seasoning, right? Y'all ever, uh, I don't know about you guys, when you're cooking something, it's like, oh, it needs a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, but it, you don't keep dumping it in blindly. You, you taste a little bit, right? Uh, you taste a little bit, it needs a little bit more of this. It's saying this, and every conversation, you need to step back and go, how much salt does this one need? Don't open up the top and just pour it all in there. It might be a little bit too much, okay? might choke them out. might not need a whole lot. Maybe it just needs a little bit. Paul's saying this. You've got to treat outsiders as individual people and not just assume that you know what you should say or how you should say it. You should step back and say, how much salt does this conversation need? A little bit? All right. You can put a little bit to make it a little bit easier for them to taste as we're talking. Sometimes it needs a lot. It needs a lot of salt, okay? Sometimes it barely needs any. And so he says, your speech needs to be seasoned like you would season something with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Not answer everybody. Because you know why? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. You answer everybody the same way on the same issue, guess what? Some people are going to see it and some people will get very, very frustrated. So how do you say, what does this conversation need? It leaves a little bit salt. This person, this conversation needs just a little bit. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And this part in the book of Romans, he's talking about the church. And you go, well, good thing in our church, we all think the same way and vote the same way and act the same way, right? Wrong. And even beyond that, big C church, global church, do you think everybody sees every issue the same way that you do? And I'm not saying you're wrong. Especially, listen, I know y'all, y'all are probably right on all the issues, okay? There's probably not even anything, any, any kind of dent in your armor. I get that, right? But... To love one another with brotherly affection, that means this. People who claim the name of Jesus are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Even if we don't see eye to eye on all the issues. So can I love them with brotherly affection? Can I outdo each one showing honor? I'm going to outdo this person who thinks differently than me. I'm going to show more honor to them than they would ever show honor to me. That's hard. That's hard. Um, I have met with different believers sometimes to serve literally as a mediator uh, to be able to get to people who disagree very much so on political issues to sit down and talk as brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes you need that. To remember, we're family. We see things very, very differently. 
First Peter chapter two, verse 17 says, honor, how many people? How about just some of them ones, right? Okay, I'm going to say honor people who think, no, 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 honor everyone. Um, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Do you think Daniel ever struggled going to work under King Nebuchadnezzar's leadership? <laughs> ever thought under Belshazzar or Darius, I'm ready to retire, okay? I am done with all this, right? And what did he do in the midst of it? He honored the emperor. He honored who's in charge, but he feared God. He never got those things mixed up. Always God first. Honor the emperor. Fear God. Highest above. You love the brotherhood, those in the family. You love them. And folks, in the same way, do you love people in your family that think differently than you? Yep. You kind of put up with it. You kind of push in even when it's hard. So to honor everyone, but to love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Romans 13, 7. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom, whom honor is owed. Some of you are like, why are we talking about taxes? Why are we going to get in my business today? Okay, like, no. Oh, the point of this verse I really want you to think through is that if you owe taxes to the American government and you need to go pay those taxes in the same way, you need to pay respect to those who deserve respect. Who is that? Anybody who's been made in the image of God. That's who you need respect. Well, who's that? That'd be everyone. That would be absolutely everyone. Um, that would be for us to consider and to think through that President Trump, former Vice President Biden, Senator Harris, Vice President Pence, every single one made in the image of God. Every single one able that if they have not received the gospel, could receive the gospel, could be transformed by the love of Jesus. Every single one. So for me, I need to respect anyone whose respect is owed and honor to whom honor is owed. James 3, 9, and 10 talks about our speech, talks about our mouth, talks about our tongue, talks about the way we speak to one another. I got stuff popping off. I don't know what's happening there. I guess everything's okay. Uh, James 3, verse 9, it says this, With it, with our mouth, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So our mouth saying songs of worship to our Father, and it's not right then to take that mouth to then defame those that were made in our Father's image. Even those who think very, very differently than you. Verse 10 says it this way, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So, if I'm worshiping God with my mouth, I should never then say, let me dishonor those that are made in my Father's image. Red, yellow, black, and white, all precious in His sight. Every single side of the aisle, every single person on every side of the issue made in the image of God. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. It doesn't mean that you can't speak the truth, but it means that you shouldn't have corrupting talk coming out of your mouth. You need to figure out how can it build up, and it fits the occasion. Okay? Folks, there are some conversations that you ever realize there are some conversations that you can have with your family that you don't have with your neighbors, you know? Some things that are that family talk and some that are like, are you talking to anybody about? There's some things that are just resolved for the people closest to you. In the same way, we need to talk to our family of God people differently than we, people, we talk to people outside the family of God. We talk to them differently. So as fits the occasion, so that it may give grace to those who hear. James 
119. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. If you look at my mentality of what I would like to do, I would like to reverse that trend and be slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to anger, right? It's got our, 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 at least that's what it seems like is going on right now in the fabric of our, our society. But James says, no, 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 be quick to hear. Listen to someone who thinks differently than you. Slow to speak. Don't interrupt. Let them talk. Slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. Listen. Um, Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Pursue what makes for peace. Get along what makes for peace, what makes for mutual upbuilding that you can do. Ecclesiastes 10, 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. So if you're going to speak, let the words of being a wise person, let it win favor, but the lips of a fool will consume him. Two more, Colossians 3, 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. If we could all just do that for the next 16 days or something in our country, man, we might be able to make it through this, right? Just, just put it away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And Ecclesiastes 9.17 says, The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. For us to say, let's, let's, let's speak in conversations to people, heard in quiet, one-on-one conversations, where you can actually have a conversation rather than shouting out to other people. And all these verses, I think, really hold us to this kind of last thought I want to give you before we pray. We must begin to look at people as spiritual beings more than political adversaries. We need to start looking at people at the highest level. They are spiritual beings. They are people who are made in the image of God and that need the gospel of Jesus Christ more than they need to jump on any political ticket. And so with that, it helps me to understand this. Um, When I have someone who doesn't believe in Jesus and they yell at me for what I believe and they're frustrated at me for certain things, I need to internalize as this. Why wouldn't they think that way? They don't know him. 1 John 3, 1 says, See how great a love that the Father has bestowed on us that we be called children of God, and such we are. The world did not know him, therefore it does not know us. So when they don't get you, that's why. Because you're like your dad. And what happens is that our Father, is he slow to anger? Oh, yes. (laughs) Slow to anger, compassionate and gracious. And so as people, we could be the trendsetters and change this culture within if we would just say, you know what, we're going to be people of civility no matter what happens. So I encourage you this week, uh, in a conversation with a family member, friend, um, co-worker that maybe believes differently than you, could you have that um, aura of civility that you would actually say, let me listen, let me talk, let me show respect, let me show honor, and show that there's a different way to live as people of the King. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the middle of a very contentious time and people that are very angry and very furious with everything that's going on in the world today, may we be people of reason kindness and compassion, graciousness, civility, to be able to show honor to those who are made in your image. For your children, God, they are made in your image, your likeness, that they bear that. God, we want to respect every single one, even those who do not believe like we believe or feel the way that we feel. Our job, we don't want to cut a relationship off of which we need to share the most important news with. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ that's able to transform all the things that are broken and busted in every single one of us. As the opportunities come this week, may we step out in faith and obedience to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.